Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Morning, everybody, on this beautiful Sunday. Welcome to Out of the Blue with Matt and Donna and Fum this week. Uh, we will be talking to Dr. Olaf Meinke today, and we will be interviewing him about his organization called Humbacks and High Rises. So, if you want to know what that's all about, stay tuned, and we will be right back. <laughs> Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. Welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio on your 855 AM dial. Today we are here with Dr. Olaf Meinecke, but before we go into our interview with him, I want to remind everyone that next week will be our Out of the Blue Radiothon show, and uh, we are hoping that you will all call in, make donations, and become members of 3CR Community Radio to keep our show and the network uh, on the airwaves for another year. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure you put it in your diary and call in. It's going to be a really great show. And we've got a prize, actually. We have a special prize for one person who donates live on air. So just if you needed a little bit more incentive, this we have a prize. This could be you. <laughs> cool. So welcome to the show today um, and welcome to Dr. Olaf Meinika. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Um, by way of introduction, uh, Dr. Olaf graduated um, from graduated in a at the University of Lewenberg in Germany with environmental sciences, um, and after graduating, worked on atmospheric models at the Institute of Coastal Research in Germany. Um, and later coordinated scientific panel meetings for the European Food Safety Authority. 
um, a little bit after that, came to Queensland to start his PhD at Griffith University um, and has since developed advanced long and short and long-term tagging methods for fish. Um, after completing his PhD, he became a research fellow with the Griffiths, Griffith Centre for Coastal Management and is now leading an international research project on the impacts of climate change on whales and also studies the health of humpback whales in southeast Queensland using drones. Olaf is also the CEO and co-founder of Humpbacks and High Rises, a not-for-profit research organisation dedicated to urban marine mammal research and protection, and he's been in a movie. That's an impressive bio. <laughs> Thank Thanks. you so yeah, much. Actually, when I hear it like this, it, it does sound pretty good. I, I, I never really read it to myself. Yeah, sometimes it's not until you write down everything that you've done, you realise how impressive you actually are. <laughs> so it's great great to have you on the show. Um, I just wanted to, I guess, start by asking you, I guess, and I like to ask all our guests this, what was your passion and how did you, I guess, start getting interested in your passion, which is whales? Well, I mean, obviously, I, I could start... A uh, long time ago, when I was a child, and I'm not going to do the classic one. I was like, I always wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> no, no, I, hey, I nothing just, wrong I with just, that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, I I grew up with animals, and, and um, I had a lot of pets, and so I and and I was like, even though I was in Germany, I actually grew up in the middle of a forest, so I, I was far away from the sea as a child, but I had a great passion for um, the environment and for, for animals. And it was always clear that I was going to do something in that field, but I wasn't, I wasn't always, you know, sure how or what was going to happen. And clearly, you know, even when I finished school or graduated in Germany, I wasn't, wasn't sure at all about where my life was going to go. And if I look back now, I'm quite surprised that I ended up being marine biologist. But um, this just happened when I um, decided to move over to Australia. And um, clearly we are, you know, a place that's surrounded by the ocean. And it's also mostly governed by the sea in many ways. And the majority of people live close to the shore or close to the sea. So... You can't really escape the ocean in Australia unless you live in the very centre of Australia. Um, and so I then decided to start a project that was ocean-related or marine-related and in fisheries science, and um, and that brought me to the ocean, but also just simply going to the beach every day and surfing um, and doing this for many years. Um, then ended up you know, finding that there is a lot of marine life in, in the area where I was studying, so in southeast Queensland. And, you know, one of the one of the largest animals that we do have here are the humpback whales. And I wanted to learn more about it. It, it did actually occur to me that, um, you know, we need to know much more about these, these animals than we currently do, even though it's one of the best studied animals um, in, in, in the marine mammal world, but still we, um, we hardly know 
um, where they where they spent most of their times, how they breed, how they um, and how they actually interact with with each other. So um, it, it got my interest in once I finished my PhD, I ended up um, researching more into into that field of marine mammals and. Um, and because we do have a huge industry here, whale watch industry, um, I then decided to uh, do a citizen science uh, project or ended up being a program now where people can survey these whales and monitor them and use the data for improving our knowledge and, and obviously uh, protect them better in the future. And how do you, I guess, go about using that citizen science data? Like, does that inform your research or is it kind of part of its own, I guess, fulfilling the aims of the humpbacks and high-rises as an organisation? Yeah, it's like the core activity that, um, well, it, it motivates people to go out uh, and actually do more than just watching a whale, actually learning something about them and... Um, over time, we have gathered thousands of data points, um, which are individual whales, and this data is used um, in different research projects that I purely do out of my passion. And there, for instance, I think in this week, uh, a Danish student just finished um, her degree working on the data set, and I um, I also have a number of PhD students that work on the data set. So it becomes, um, you know, a useful mm. database for a number of research projects that, that you know, can, uh, can basically use the data. And what sort of research projects are they? What in particular are you researching about whales and dolphins in that area? Um, one of the main things is um, how they utilize the area. So are they coming close to shore at certain times? And if they do so, what are they doing there? Why are they entering the area in the first place? Because it's sort of a bay. Um, and then looking at different movement patterns, are they coming earlier in the season or later? And if that changes, why? So one of the things that we found in recent years, and there is actually drastic changes happening um, around Australia uh, with humpback whales, uh, they are changing their migration patterns, and we've actually seen uh, a lot of calves in the early season. Our first calf was um, sighted already a few days ago, and these calves are now born further south than they ever used to be born. So. Um, there is changes that we detect uh, by monitoring the whales with the citizen science program, and then we're trying to figure out, you know, why are these animals, um, you know, doing these things, and so um, it it does triggers a whole range of um, of research questions that we then can follow up on. Hmm. Um. So it's just a particular part of like southeast Queensland that your research focuses on, is that right? Like a certain length of the coast down there, or up there, I should say. <laughs> yeah, so we are focused on southeast Queensland, but we are actually expanding to um, to Coffs Harbour, uh, where a group of um, really dedicated uh, people want to um, 
want to do research on on the whales as well and the the more we can actually um the more we can expand the better for us because we can actually cover a huge area where we can use the fluke so the tail of the whale um to tell us a tale in the sense that uh, they are traveling up down the coast at certain times so people photograph the same whale that we see up here, uh, we can create a profile that shows us, oh, so this individual travels with a certain speed and it seems to stop at certain places um, and then gives us a much better idea where these animals have like their core habitat um, that they prefer to use. Hmm. Tales telling tales. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the organization humpbacks and high rises i get the humpbacks can we talk about the high rises how come it's high rises well um we here in uh, on the gold coast have a, a wide range of different types of high rises and uh, well, i remember the first time i went out to encounter these animals uh, the whales and I see them uh, passing by this shoreline, and in the distance there were all these high rises. And so um, the contrast, I, I thought, could not be any bigger to have these wild animals, which are the fifth largest animals on Earth that ever existed. And in the background, we have this rather artificial city that um, has only gone up in that sort of shape in the last 50 to 60 years. And I think it's, it's a big contrast. And so I thought humpbacks and high rises is a, is a good combination. It's still, people do struggle with the name, I must admit. It's not the easiest name to, uh, to figure out. Oh, sometimes. I like it. <laughs> well, it does really, it does really grab people's attention. Mm. So, because uh, immediately people ask, like, oh, what's this about? So I think it's pretty good. I thought that too, actually, because I, I live in, uh, well, not a high, high rise, medium density. <laughs> and similar, Port Phillip Bay has, you know, the bay and whales and dolphins and seals and all that. And yeah, all around it or part of it is high rises. And when I saw this pop up on my Facebook feed, it's like something you might be interested in. I was like, humpbacks and high rises. Hey, that's me. <laughs> I fit this profile. I like whales and I live in a high rise. <laughs> Um, and that's, I, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's good to hear. So the name does make sense. Yeah, yeah, it totally resonates. <laughs> and I think and I've uh, mentioned to you that I'm booked in to come along on one of your expeditions, upcoming expeditions in August, I think. The dates are in my calendar. Yes. I will show up on the right date. <laughs> um, But I'm just wondering if you can take us through what the upcoming expeditions are all about and kind of what I can expect being on a boat for three days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, well, first of all, fantastic that you actually are booked this trip and that that you're going to join us up here. Um, So uh, basically, we we just started to run these trips uh, for the first time last year, and um, well, one of the reasons is uh, it actually does support uh, some of my research that is a little bit more advanced, other than you know just uh, collecting behavior data. We we can collect um, skin from the animals, we can try and tag them, and we can also collect 
um, aerial footage using drones and uh, and also DNA from the whale's uh, blows. So, and to be able to actually run this, um, unfortunately, it costs a lot of money to go out on the water, and um, and so we decided to run these expeditions. And um, last year we had uh, three of these trips, and they were very successful because. Um, we we get a very good engagement with the people that are coming out, and obviously everyone is very interested, and it creates a really good environment and actually sort of uh, supports my emotional involvement with these animals and, and the, the whales, and I can actually show people why I am so excited about it. And we had some very, very good encounters last year, so hopefully we can have the same. So what we do, we train people up to start with because, um, you know, being on a small boat and um, with our permit, we sometimes get very close to these animals. So um, that, you know, uh, it's, it's a challenge in itself to be on a small boat in, in a big sea. <laughs> And next to a very large animal that's actually double the size of the boat. And so it can be very impressive. And um, we train people to see um, or so they can understand what we're actually doing there and also how to gather the data. So we're using um, standardized forms to, to uh, collect the data and um, take pictures of the animals. Um, certain pictures and um, and also want people to learn all about the region and other animals that we encounter while we're out there. So we, you know, at the moment, last yesterday um, on one of the surveys, there were loggerhead turtles, um, oh, we also get dolphins, we get hammerhead sharks on the surface. So there's always something out there, and every day has been different, um, and every day there is something else. Um, that we can encounter in seabirds, for instance, as well. So, and then we are we are actually heading out um, usually around eight nine o'clock, and then we try to be out there as long as possible. But because we don't have toilets on board, it is a little bit limited by the ability of people. <laughs> That's right. Don't ask tough. To <laughs> That's you can just hang overboard. Water, so. Sorry, whales. <laughs> But usually, um, we, we've, this is what the training is about the day before. We've trained people well up to uh, not drink too much or drink it once they are on the boat, not before, and don't have any coffee before we uh, get out at sea. And so we last a few hours. And then we're trying to find uh, mother calf pairs preferable. If we can encounter them, we'll actually target these animals uh, because we're interested in um, in the interaction between mothers and calves, but also in collecting um, samples that are from the blowhole, so the bacteria community that is inside the whales, and, and uh, that is I have a question much, about uh, that, Olaf. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to cycle back because you what said something about that. <laughs> you said something about that before. You said you could take. DNA samples from the uh, from the the blowhole or from the blow. Yes. So you go up in the boat and you hold out your little cup and you wait until <laughs> it is and you until this. Do you pass uh, away a tissue? Is that how you collect the? 
Yeah, how does that work? Well, well I mean, it'd be very easy. If we could talk to the whales um, and just tell them, please sneeze into this container and then move <laughs> on, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately, we haven't quite established this communication, and the whales are also not really convinced that... Um, you know, collecting DNA from them is something that will advance them in the future. So we're using drones, um, and the drones uh, basically have to fly over the whales in that moment when they are breathing out, which is a bit of a challenge, unfortunately. Um, and so there's a petri dish attached to the drone, and then that wow. is supposed to collect the amount of uh, a whale bloat. So okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, it's basically us sneezing. Um, and, you know, every time we sneeze, we uh, we have a bit of our own DNA in there, but then also DNA from viruses and bacteria. So um, a whole cocktail of information that we can gather from these animals with the ultimate aim to develop a technique that allows us to assess the health of these animals. Because what we found in, in the last couple of years is that there is, um, there's differences in the, in the conditions of these animals in terms of um, skin conditions and some indications that these animals are actually suffering. And we don't know what a healthy whale is because there is no baseline study. We can't just go and you know, get some mm. blood from the whale. Unfortunately, it's uh, very difficult. And so there's very little information from inside the animals that we can mm. get. And there's also no baseline to understand what a healthy whale is. Are the um, Japanese um, forthcoming with their data from all their whale oh, research? Oh, you know the answer to that <laughs> question, Donna. <laughs> so, uh, if anyone would know, it would be them, that's for sure. Sorry, I had to say yes, that. Uh, they do have uh, clearly blood samples, um, but of course none of, uh, none of the um, scientific or members of the uh, scientific communities that are um, are actually doing uh, respectable research uh, according mm. to ethics uh, standards are using this kind of work. So um, we would not request any of this information, nor would we actually use it in any hour of our researches. Um, the majority of the uh, scientific community uh, believes that this is an unnecessary act and um, we can gather the information in different ways and like this is one of the new <laughs> technologies where where we can actually you know get information from the animal without the animal even knowing that we're sampling them which is fantastic so it is agree yeah, and I think for for people signing up to this, it's it, that is such an un, it, unique opportunity because there's pretty st there's pretty strict laws usually around whale watching and distance from you know having to keep distance from the animals and things like that. But uh, you, with your uh, research permit, uh, can get participants way closer, up close and personal. Yeah, so that's that's you know for participants a really really amazing thing to uh, experience, I gather. Exactly. So it's a it's a whole different experience. We are on a on a very small boat. We're it's a maximum of six participants, um, and we're with me and a research assistant, and there is the skipper. So um, we have.
have a lot of time to interact with everyone and get everyone involved. Plus, we actually have you know the ability to get close to the animals for the sampling, and you know it's a it's a completely different experience than. Uh, being on a Wellwood boat with another 200 people mm. and listening to the same uh, voice over and over again. And I unfortunately also have to say that a lot of the information sometimes isn't quite correct. So, um, you know, at least <laughs> with the background knowledge that we have, we can actually provide um, the right information and the knowledge that, uh, you know, that is up to date at the moment in, uh, in whale world. So, Olaf, what happens with the data that you collect with the volunteers? So, so the data that I collect, I mean, the behavior data and all this, and that's also what we collect during these expeditions, it goes into the large database um, where we have already a few thousand animals um, surveyed. And then this data is being analyzed for, you know, various uh, information such as, you know, so where and when are the animals moving in certain places and uh, certain types of behavior that occur in the area and give indications of what, what they are doing. Um, and then the, the data on, um, on the DNA also, that is a, a big effort because it needs to be enough samples for us to justify um, the actual DNA extraction. And so then that goes into the lab and um, and you know requires several hours of um, of extraction and then we are hoping to get information about the uh, type of bacteria community that lives there and compare it with other research studies that actually um, just start to come out now around the world where drones have been used um, to collect this kind of data. And it would be very interesting to see if we can find similar bacterial communities, um, but also differences. Uh, so they could potentially be used for tagging. Um, so we could find animals that, you know, have maybe spent time elsewhere, would carry a different type of bacterial community. And, um, and that would be a sort of tag that we can uh, get more information at. Cool. We are fast running out of time, unfortunately, but I just wanted to say if are there any or ask if there are any spots left on your upcoming expeditions and if there are, how can people get involved or apply um, and if not, where can people get more information or get involved year round as opposed to getting on one of your expeditions, Olaf? Yes, so um, we still have a few spots left. So September, um, we still have uh, three spots left, and then we're actually thinking of opening another expedition mid-October. So I really encourage everyone to send us an email, which would be signs at hhr.org.au. And there is then also information that I can just send back, which is the, the booking uh, platform for these trips, but also more detailed information. Um, and also um, under the same email, but on, also on our webpage, um, which is hhr.org.au, there is the opportunity um, to come up here and, for instance, go out on our Wellwood boats that 
um, we send the volunteers on. So we've got daily trips where people go on uh, well watch operators and do the surveys. Uh, so we actually have someone who came up last year from Canberra for I think almost two weeks and I think she's coming up again because she liked it so much. So basically spends her holiday up here to um, help doing well surveys. Oh, so that's another opportunity. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be interviewing Donna for sure in, in <laughs> August when she gets back about her experience <laughs> with you. So uh, yes, that'll be fantastic. Thank you so much Great. for. Sorry, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and yeah, we'll post a few links um, about humpbacks and high rises on our three CR Out of the Blue Facebook page. Um, and tune in next week for our Radiothon show. Radiothon, get on it, donate. <laughs> your support for a 3CR program during Radiothon? Well, you can call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website 3cr.org.au. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to post office box 1277 Collingwood, 3066. And be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. And thank you for being part of 3CR's Radiothon. Sitting with you 